All right, all right, l- right. Let me just get this straight in my head. Huh. Yeah, well, there's plenty of room. Look, it's pretty straightforward. I would think it's fairly easy to understand. Yes, I know that, but I need to run through it. Why? It's part of my process. I need to achieve the right level of zen. Zen? Yes. Okay, now Zen. Tony Banks is in a high-security Bolivian prison, right? Check. And we have to break him out in order for him to play the perfect note which will open the vault in the ancient Aztec temple so that we can retrieve the treasure, right? Check. A treasure which is in fact an ancient crown holding within a gin. With no tonic, sadly. Who will grant the person... Or persons... Three wishes, right? Check. But the person who wants it is Victor, whose henchman... A homicidal henchman? Yes. Homicidal henchman is constantly following us to make sure we hand it over. If we don't, he'll kill us, right? Check. And we have to do it without getting caught or shot, right? Check. And neither of us know how to achieve any of these goals, right? Check. In any eventuality, Juan will be waiting in the jeep to either drive us away at high speed or collect the bodies. Check. Right. So, we know what we have to do, we just have no idea how to do it. Let me think. I just need some time to come up with a plan. So cunning. I I have a plan. No, you don't. Yes, I do. And it's quite cunning, actually. The last time you had a cunning plan, I'm sure I ended up staying in a police cell for a night. It was a hotel. It had bars on the window. So it was a secure hotel. I spent the night on a metal bed in my underpants. Your evening wear isn't important right now. Listen, I do have a plan. Want to hear it? Every fibre of my being is screaming no. And every fibre of those fibres is also screaming no. Does it involve jam? Not directly, but it may come into play. Mm. Thought it might. So, do you want to hear it? (sighs) How did my life get here? All I wanted to do was start a Genesis podcast. Since then, I've almost been killed in a train crash, jumped over a bridge on a bus, repelled a zombie uprising and been to hell. All in the company of the world's jammiest man. I don't think I can take much more. Honestly, how bad can my plan be? Please, please don't say that. I don't want to jinx it any more than I already have. Right, here goes. We dress up as ice cream salesmen with a van. Hmm, okay, so far, very much how I imagined it. Wait, wait, that's just the start of the plan. The ice cream is a distraction for the guards at the gate. Of course it is. And why would that distract them? Well, it's hot here, isn't it? (laughs) Well, um, I I suppose it is. Carry on. Well, it all hinges on Juan being able to get us to the nearest fancy dress shop. We're in the middle of the jungle. How the hell... See, there is one just a few miles down the road. What? Well, this may be the jungle, senor, but we still like having fun. So, do you want to hear the rest of the plan? Juan, when they finally release our bodies, can you mail mine to this address? I don't care what you do with Gary. Oh, come on. Don't be so pessimistic. No one's going to die. Probably no one's going to die. Oh, God.
This is not going to work. Why didn't you say so before? I did say so before! Right, here we are. One is waiting in the jeep on the other side of the building for a quick getaway. Try to look like an ice cream salesman. How? Uh, stay frosty. <sighs> right, hit it. You know what? It's working. Look, here come the guards. The farce is with us. The farce? Well, the farce is what gives an idiot his power. It's a dumbing down created by all slack-jawed thinkers. It surrounds them and penetrates them. It binds society together. Oh. Hey, my friend, you cannot park here. So sorry, we're new here. But before we move on, would you and your hot friend like an ice cream? You, uh, you think my friend is hot? What's wrong with me? I work out regularly. Why does this always happen to me? No, I meant hot as in temperature. He looks hot. I do? Well, thank you. Can we get on? Uh, yes. Look, my friends, all the ice cream lollies you want. Magnum, Mini Milk, Zap. Name your poison. They are poisoned? What? No, no, it's just an expression. Please ignore him. He's an idiot. Can, uh, can we have sprinkles? Sure. Knock yourselves out. Oh, if we could only get them to do that. Shh. Here, gentlemen, help yourselves to sprinkles and a chocolate flake. Nuts? Sorry, it's this uniform. The shorts, they ride up. No, I mean, would you like nuts on your ice cream? Please tell your colleagues, free ice cream for everyone. Gracias. Right, now for stage two. Right, we're inside. We don't have long. What now? Take off these overalls, revealing the costume beneath. And don't forget to put on the ginger wig and the red nose. This is stupid. It's never going to work. Remember, not to use the horn unless absolutely necessary. Consider it the nuclear option. Horn? What? Now, look. Why are we dressing like clowns? We'll stand out. We're going to get caught and shot. No, we are not. This tactic is based on the recognised principle of SEP. SEP? What the bloody hell are you talking about, you demented lunatic? SEP. Somebody else's problem. If you make something strange or odd enough to make people uncomfortable, they will automatically defer to the opinion that they don't want to have to deal with it. So hopefully, somebody else will. People will actively go out of their way to avoid the odd. Especially when introduced into an ordered, everyday situation like, say, you might find in a prison. Can I just bypass all this and get shot now? No. But why clowns? Clowns are the perfect SEP. Have you ever wondered why clowns exist in the world? No one finds them funny. Nobody likes them. They're creepy and scary and they frighten the hell out of children. But nobody wants to have to deal with the issue... Because... Everyone hopes it's someone else's problem. Now you're getting it. Scarily, I am. But why... The only trouble is, we have to be careful not to overload them. If we push it too far, it crosses the threshold from SEP to MPN. MPN? My problem now. The dawning realisation that someone really has to deal with this, and unfortunately, it has to be them, or they'll get into trouble. It just means we'll have to wait a little while for the guards on the door to concentrate on the free ice cream rather than wonder where the ice cream vendors have disappeared to. 
How will that be? The current psychological theory proposed by Dr. Carl Jaeger is that the human mind can only fixate on a single problem for one hour. What with all the other stimuli constantly bombarding our psyche? Unless, of course, you're in bed. Then it can jam itself in there all night. So if we give it, say, an hour and a half before making our exit, we should be laughing. Where did you get this information? No, no, no. Nothing more will I teach you today. Clear your mind of questions. Good. Calm. Here are some guards. Just do as I do. Hey, hey, hey! Uh, sorry, no entiendo. Uh, uh, si, uh, I also no entiendo. Have a lovely day! What the hell? It only bloody worked. They didn't even want to look at us. I told you so. The farce. And I told you it was stupid. And I never thought it would be me who was wrong. Look out, another guard. Your turn. But I can't. Use the farce, Simon. Let go, Simon. Simon, trust me. Waza waza. Uh, sorry, I, I, uh, I have to have to go this way. Come on, we have two more corridors, one guarded door, and then we're there. Waza. Uh, uh. It's the gate. What now? Now for the big guns. Simon, start your tie rotating. I feel like a fool. Now, juggle those fish, and juggle like your life depends on it. Coming through. Open the gate, por favor. Uh, see. Gracias. Uh, no hay problema. Bloody hell. We did it. Now, which cell? Uh, this one. Cell 151. Huh. The door's already ajar. Uh, hello. Aren't you a little short for a clown? What? Oh, the uniform. I'm Simon. I'm here to rescue you. Who? I have a keyboard. I'm here with Gary. Come on. You're who? With whom now? Ignore him. He's doing some sort of Star Wars thing. Look, Tony, we're here to rescue you. What on earth are you doing here anyway? Oh, that. Well, we were scouting out venues for an extension to our final tour dates, and we got down here. Then Phil and Mike had to leave early, and they left me to pay the hotel bill. And? Well, I don't carry money on me. I have managers to deal with that sort of thing. So they put me in here. But maximum security? Well, I offered to play them some of my greatest solo hits as a way of paying the tab. The next thing I knew, I was in here, locked in solitary. Still seems a bit harsh to me. Well, they said I had to be in solitary because there's a piano in the refectory. They didn't want me upsetting the other inmates. They said it would be a violation of the Geneva Convention. But I really don't think it would. I just think they didn't want the other inmates to feel inadequate next to my genius. Ah, there it is. Look, it's all very interesting listening to you two chat, but we all have to get out of here. Well, yes, we do. But it doesn't look as if all of the guards have got interested in the ice cream yet. What should we do to pass the time? Oh, I know. How about a podcast? Here? Now? A what? 
a podcast. Oh, I see. Do you need me to play something? No, that's fine. Just sit there. It'll all be over soon. That's what my dentist says. And? And this brings me more pain. The Revelation Station podcast from the Revelation Station. Okay, we should be safe in here for a few minutes now. And when I say a few minutes, please don't make this podcast five hours long like usual. But I've got a very extensive history of every single person who ever, ever made tea for Tony during the course of this album. Yes, but I don't want to hear about it. Our listener doesn't want to hear about it. And Tony certainly doesn't want to hear about it. Uh, Actually, I do. Shut Shut up, up, Tony. Tony. All right, then. I'll cut down my essay. (sighs) All right. I cut it down. What album are we talking about, Gary? Can you even remember? Despite the fact that I've tried to actually blot this from my mind since you posted it to me, we are talking about Tony Banks's Soundtracks album. Oh, really? That's one of my favourite albums that I did. That's only one of your favourites. Nobody else likes it, Tony. Right, I think he's out cold from that. That is a relief, because that man cannot shut up. Also, he probably doesn't want to hear what we're about to say. That's very true. It's probably best that he's knocked out cold. So, yes, as you rightly said, we're talking about Tony Banks' soundtracks album. So, what can be said about this album? I think what we can say is it definitely came out in 1986. It did. So, shall I hit you up with some facts? Backed me up, man. Let's start this show on the road. All right, facts, 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 facts. So, this album was released in March 1986. And it contains music from two films, not one, two films. Now, that would be a bonus. I'm sorry to interrupt. That would normally be a bonus because you think, wow, two whole films. Yes. But to put that into perspective, neither of these two were Oscar nominated. Let's just let's just get that out there. No, they were not box office smashers, not by a long chalk. You say that. <laughs> Quicksilver, one of them, which I know you're about to tell us all about, Cost mm, ten million to make. It did, and only made seven and a half million at the box office in the US. <laughs> despite oh, having, be embarrassing. despite having Kevin, Kevin, a very young Kevin Bacon, and Lawrence Fishburne with hair. Yeah, I know it's weird, isn't it? Kevin Bacon, everybody's favourite EE representative, yeah. making this film. <sighs> so yeah, I'm going to assume you've never seen this film. I've never seen this now. Film. You say that. I do. And you're quite right. I've never seen this film. But this afternoon, I did watch the trailer. (laughs) Yes. And what did you think? It was appalling. It was terrible. (laughs) But it did feature Tony Banks' music quite prominently. It does, doesn't it? That's Yes, that's the thing I thought was quite interesting, which we'll come on to a little bit later. But yeah, so anyway, Quicksilver. Quicksilver is starring Kevin Bacon as a failed stockbroker who turns into a bicycle messenger at night. When it's the full moon. No, no, no. It's not, not just turned. Who's <laughs> a bicycle messenger? Um, and he gets involved with some gangs or something. That old story. Of course you do. Hijinks in Like shoe, you do. There, in the trailer, there's some very nice uh, cuts, film cuts, of bicycle t- wheels and people doing tricks on bikes. Yes. And you think, this film looks hateful. Yeah. It's always BMX bandits, but with adults in New York. That was it. It looked like adults doing things that really their children should be doing. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So it was not a box office smash, as we've already said, a box office smash. How did we say it? It was not a box office smash. It was not yeah. 
a critical success. And currently on Rotten Tomatoes, it has 13% fresh rating. I'm quite surprised at that. A whole 13%. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. The trailer did make me want to find the director and give him a good slapping. Well, one reviewer called it as much fun as a slow leak. From? (laughs) I mean, I think it's (laughs) important to specify where it's leaking from. A small leak (laughs) in a large boat, not a worry. A small leak in your abdomen, quite a worry. I'm assuming he's making a bicycle joke. Oh, oh. See? see. I was trying to think of some bicycle-based pun then, but I'm not that fast. You would be if you had a bike. (laughs) 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 So before going on to the next film, let's just clear something up here. Okay, Tony, Tony actually only provides three tracks to the film score. This album makes out like he's done the whole thing and this is the whole, this is all the music from the album. That was the impression I got. Yeah, but like many 80s movies, there was a whole separate soundtrack album. And the main theme to the film isn't even shortcut to somewhere. <laughs> really? Yeah, it was a Roger Daltrey song called Quicksilver Lightning, ah. um, which was also not a hit, but did feature on a few different Roger Daltrey compilation albums over the years. So it isn't quite as obscure as uh, some of the others. And in fact, Thomas Newman, who is a, an Oscar nominated composer for the piano, yes, I believe, yes. he yeah. also provides some of the score for this this film. So little Tony, he's pumping up his role a bit, isn't he? He's like, he is a bit. I must yeah. admit, you know, now you've said that, I mean, it makes this film seem a whole lot worse. I mean, I can't think of a film score where they've drawn from two or three people. You know, you've seen mm. film scores where one person's done the whole thing and yeah. others where they've sampled many, many different tracks and artists to get an overall feel, like with The Matrix, for example. Mm. Yeah. Um, but not where they've chosen three or four people to to split the soundtrack up between them. It's also not uncommon for them to do a sort of a pop or rock soundtrack album mm. and yeah. a score album as well, like you say, like The Matrix has, yeah, has yeah. done. But yeah, it's this is... This feels like they couldn't even decide on a soundtrack, never mind the <laughs> yeah, plot. Yeah, exactly. Well, yeah. it's also got on there, as well as Roger Daltrey, and the, uh, the Tony Banks tracks. It's also got Ray Parker Jr., as well as Peter Frampton, who seemed to be trying to get in on all the 80s soundtracks at about this time, because he was on the um, Playing for Keeps soundtrack that I did a little special about so, a month or so ago. He jumped into that. Um, he also got Marilyn Martin, who you may remember was the co-singer on Separate Lives, that Phil's single. Yes. So there's, yeah, so there's a few other people on there, as well as Tony Banks. So, yeah, that's it. That's the, the soundtrack for Quicksilver. It's a bizarre mix, isn't it? Mm, it is a bit, isn't it? If I was Mr. Banks, who's currently mm. comatose on the floor, and they yes. turn around and said, hey, Tony, listen, right, what's happening is we're getting some great talent, some great talent to some pop songs for this soundtrack. Can you write some, like, crappy incidental music? Wouldn't you be slightly <laughs> miffed at that? Yeah, you would, wouldn't you? yeah. Oh, got yeah. some pop songs. I have some pop songs. No, no, not those, Tony. We're not interested in those. Just do some twiddly little bits on the keyboard. We've heard your Wicked Lady soundtrack and we really liked it. Can you do us something similar? That That is not a conversation that happened. <laughs> no, it's not at all. Maybe in Tony's head. <laughs> they love my soundtrack. Uh, but yeah, so that's a bit... I thought I, In researching this album and this film, that was something I thought was quite interesting, that it wasn't even the whole of the soundtrack that mm. Tony's done. I, I was I was not aware of that, yeah. I think yeah. a bit cheated. But then again, listening to what we have heard from it, not that cheated. That's true. The other film that was, that's done here is Lorca and the Outlaws, also known as 
Starship. Yes. Um, which was a low-budget sci-fi movie that reviewer M.J. Simpson called... Oh, not that old hack. <laughs> sub, sub Star Wars rubbish. Yeah, and you can actually watch this entire movie on YouTube. Yes, you can. I've, I've noticed that, yeah. And I did actually skim it just to have a look, of get the mm. vibe of it. To be honest, yeah. it doesn't look that low budget. I think that's probably because the person who directed it was Roger Christian, who worked as the second unit director on the original Star Wars trilogy. Really? So he's obviously got some skills there. So perhaps he's, you know, made his budget stretch a bit to make it look good. Because, yeah, I didn't think it looked too bad, to be honest. It doesn't have any major stars in it at all. Um, was that before they filmed or after <laughs> yeah. they filmed? Well, the biggest star in the film is uh, the guy who played Immortan Joe in Mad Max Fury Road. Uh, he plays the baddie oh, okay. in the film and yeah. also has Deep Roy in it, who is from everything from Doctor Who to period drama to Star Wars. He plays an android. Oh, yeah. I didn't recognise him behind the face mask. He plays Mr. Sin in uh, Talons of Wang Chiang, the Doctor Who story. Really? There you yes. go. One of my favourite yes. stories. This film has never been released in the UK. It was only released on VHS for home release. It came out in Australia and it came out in the US, but it never came out in the UK. You know, when when I was uh, looking into this, I did actually look at this movie and I thought, how did this one pass me by? Because I did see every terrible sci-fi movie going in the 80s. <laughs> and there was an yeah. awful lot of them. Late 70s, early 80s, it was inundated with terrible sci-fi movies, all trying to cash in on what? the Star Wars Thing. Maybe you have seen it and you just forgot. Simo's clearly seen it. Mm, maybe. <laughs> no, I don't think so. But yeah, um, similarly, Quicksilver was released on DVD in the US and it wasn't released over here. It's not been released on DVD or home release at See, all I'm, in the I'm UK. I was surprised about that because the mm. you know Kevin Bacon's quite a big name and you'd think somebody yeah. somewhere would have released it. Yeah, the complete Kevin Bacon. Yeah, yeah, that's it. <laughs> complete Kevin Bacon collection, minus yeah, this one. Obviously. You, I've got to say, when I saw the trailer, he does look very young and fresh-faced. Does, doesn't he? I mean, he's, yeah, he's almost unrecognisable. Yeah, so 86, so he would have just not been long off the breakfast club and footloose, probably. Well, that's what I was thinking, footloose, but oh. he looked too young for that. Well. That's enough movie reviews. We're supposed to be doing an album. <laughs> yeah, we are. Incidentally, that movie was co-written by Roger Christian, the director. And also Matthew Jacobs, who went on to write the 1996 Paul McGann Doctor Who TV movie. I'm supposed to be impressed by that. That's as close to a guarantee of quality as you're likely to get. Hmm. Anyway, so by 1984, Genesis were getting big and Tony was getting requests all over the place to work on film scores. So he had accepted an offer to do the sequel to 2001, 2010, not 2002, as you might immediately think. Mm. That's the most obvious sequel. He apparently spent about six months working on it, turning down lots of other film offers along the way, he says. Yeah. Wink, wink. No, no, no. Um, <laughs> but whatever he sent to the director was rejected and in the end he had about two hours worth of music that he didn't have a home for. So he didn't have any of his music used in the film. And he ended up recycling it for Lorca and the Outlaws. And because Lorca and the Outlaws was such low budget, he agreed to do it for free. So they didn't pay him a penny for using this soundtrack. And I still think they were diddled. Yeah. Well, yeah. Here's um, the thing, though, right? Because 2010 is one of my favourite movies. I cannot see how any of this music would have fit into that movie at all. I cannot also see that. That seems very, very odd. Maybe this is the only part of the two hours that... Uh, <laughs> 
didn't fit with that music, maybe. I don't know. <laughs> These are from some of the cutscenes. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so rumor has it that Tony was also approached around this time to do the score for the Terminator and was one of the first people in the world to be sent the script. Really? Yeah. See, that's kind of impressive. However, I don't wish to be Tony negative, mm. but based upon some of the other soundtracks that we've heard, yes. who decided to send him the quote for doing the soundtrack to The Terminator? Yeah. I think he was just, they pitched a few different composers and one of them was Tony, mm. was probably what happened. When you think back, how, you know, some of these iconic movies that, that we grew up with and that are, you know, they're cultural icons, mm. would they have still been cultural icons with a different soundtrack? Well, yeah, I mean, the opening to the Terminator, you know, the... Mm, yeah. That's classic. I, Tony wouldn't have come up with that. No, no. It would have been, I mean, there would have been a lot more synthesizers. Yeah. There were already yeah. synthesizers in there, but it would have been all keyboards yeah. rather than yeah. drum machines. Exactly. Uh, for Quicksilver, Tony was asked uh, for some more straightforward songs. So that's why he came up with the Shortcut to Somewhere okay. that he did with Fish. But he didn't really agree with that. And that's why I think probably they did lots of other songs on the soundtrack that weren't anything yeah. to do with Tony. He once again plays all the instruments on the album and there are no live drums, just a drum machine. I don't know if you could tell. A little bit. A tiny <laughs> bit, yeah. <laughs> just a tiny bit. Um, and in fact, there's only keyboards and synthesizers on the album. Mm. Um, I don't think there's any bass or guitar things or keyboard. That comes across very clearly. Funnily enough, there were two singles released from this. Really? The first one was a Lorca and the Outlaws EP, which had uh, Red Wing, You Call This Victory and The Lion of Symmetry. Okay. And then he released Shortcut to Somewhere, which had Smiling Jack Casey and the track K2 from the Fugitive Sessions, which we did review because it's on the re-released version of the Fugitive album. Okay. It was a bonus track. There you go. So we've reviewed that already. And a video was made for Shortcut Somewhere, which had Fish and Tony Banks riding about on bikes is a pastiche of the raindrops keep falling on my head section of Butch Cassidy and the Sundance Kid. Okay. They've all got like the funny little bowler hats and waistcoats on. They're riding about on a bike. They're funny guys. They're funny chaps, aren't they? I was uh, fishing around on YouTube earlier. You can actually find the video to Peter Gabriel's song that he did for Lorca and the Pirates, whatever it is. What? Lorca and the... Peter Gabriel? Yeah. Peter Gabriel's not got a song on Lorca and the Outlaws. Apparently he has. I don't think he has. <laughs> There's a video of Peter Gabriel singing intermixed with Lorca and the Outlaws. They wouldn't have been able to afford Peter Gabriel. Um, it's called Peter Gabriel San Jacinto from Lorca and the Outlaws. San Jacinto? Yeah. Yeah, that's not actually from Lorca and the Outlaws, though. That's from his fourth album. No, it says from Lorca and the Outlaws. Mm. They might have used it on the soundtrack, I suppose, but it wasn't written for it. It wasn't special. He paid Peter Gabriel okay. £2.50 or something. Yeah, I think it was used in a, in a scene in the bar or something. Yeah, maybe. Yeah. So Shortcut Somewhere is Tony's only solo single to get in the UK charts, or any charts. Anyway, guess what number it got to, the UK charts. 86. Higher. 72? Lower. <laughs> 75. Yes! Way. In the UK top 75 singles of the week, it managed to get to number 75 for a week. There you go. That's all my facts. That's all the facts I've got. Facts are a bit light on the ground for this album, to be honest. To be I would fair, say. there's not a lot to say, is there? Yeah, no, there's not really. So shall we, shall we just go straight into the music? Let's, shall we? Seems we were talking about Shortcut Somewhere. First track off the album, Shortcut to Somewhere.
So there you go, Shortcuts Somewhere. This was the first non-Marillion song to be released by Fish, who at the time was the singer of Marillion. It was at the height of their commercial success, and it was about two years before he ended up leaving the band. Oh, wow. To be fair, yes. and I don't want to jump in too fast with my review of this particular track, Fisher's singing is the highlight of this track. Yeah, it's very, very 80s, isn't it? Isn't it, it the though? Music? Yeah, the music is yeah, extremely it 80s. The one thing I did really sort of not like about this track, and I know that mm. says already that I don't like this track, and you're quite right, I don't, because <laughs> yeah. it's, it's, yeah. it's a lot of sound and fury, but nothing's going on, right? Mm. Fisher's singing his lungs out. Tony's doing his best to outperform him on the keyboards, and they're... All the way yeah. through, they're battling for volume. It's yes. a weird mix. Well, but it's just like the lyrics and the music don't match at all. No, I was going to say it's like they are fighting against each other. The music and the words and the it's just it's at war. Yeah. And they don't meld together at all, which is the problem with Tony's stuff. Problem he's written the music, and then he's gone to Fish and said, "Music." Write me lyrics. Yeah. It's for this film, which is about this. And Fisher's obviously written it. But that, this, is, this is the big problem. It sounds like an attempt to hit, write a hit single as well to me. It doesn't sound genuine. You know, the best hit singles, they're unintentional. Yeah. They just have something that you listen to and you go, that's brilliant. And everybody picks up on the it same thing. It's a chord at big. that moment in time. Exactly. Yeah. And this is an attempt to replicate that, which doesn't work. <laughs> no, unfortunately, they must have had a meeting and Fish mm. and Tony says, look, we're going to write a song. You write the lyrics, I'll write the music. Unfortunately, Fish decided to write something rather dramatic, whereas Tony mm. wanted to write a party piece. The music and the, <laughs> and the vocals just do not work here. They, they seem to be no, at odds with don't. each other. It's like, as I said, it's like a musical cage fight that you just wait to see who's going to win, but they're both battling against each other. This is not a mm. harmonious little song at all. It is not. I mean, I've, I've always liked the song, but I'm listening to it now for the first time in a few years to review this album. I'm just thinking... This really doesn't work. No. I mean, Fish Fisher's vocal melodies just don't seem to gel with the music, and Tony's keyboard. You know, the, the keyboard synth sound, the yeah. synth horn, which is very, very eighties, uh, isn't it? Yeah, I mean, it falls into the trap that Tony always, well, so far, has fallen into every time he does an album, in that he tries to do it all himself. He should get other instruments in. Yeah. Either play the other instruments himself or get somebody else in to play the yeah. instruments for him and get a band. Well, for God's sake, just play um, an actual piano. Just to yeah, break up yes. that horrible synth sound that, that really follows him around. Yeah, exactly. And uh, this is the trouble with Tony's stuff, I think, compared to Phil or Mike, especially Mike, because Mike kind of almost went the same way that he's not collaborating with anybody and he's not got other musicians in there to add their, not their stamp on it, but, you know, their character. Yes. And maybe it. a balance to the you know, to the, the whole process. Yeah. You know, just think of the last album we reviewed, No Jacket Required, and, and Daryl Sturmer was a big part of that yeah, album. Yeah, And he put a lot of his stamp on made that. made a massive change to that album. Yeah. yeah. And Tony, this is just Tony, and it's a bit, a bit cold. Yeah. The but one of my notes that I wrote down was that uh, this is basically a loud shambles of a musical composition. 
Very good. Yes, <laughs> I think yeah, that's probably the best way to describe it. I think yeah. it is a bit of a shambles. It's a bit of a mismatch. I mean, you want you? I mean, we're both gel. big Marillion fans, and we want. We were waiting to yeah. really listen to this track and really review it, mm. and we had high hopes yeah. for it. But the yeah. two styles don't gel at all. They do no, not gel do. at all. And I've got to say. This is not Fish's best lyric. Oh, the lyrics are terrible. But Fish, bless his little heart, is really trying to sing these in a dramatic way, like he always did with Marillion when he was talking about deep concepts. Yeah. I have no idea what this song's about. No. Um, but he is no. just, oh, it just doesn't work. No, and that's it. And the music isn't a good fit for Fish anyway, because no. Fish at the time was in Marillion. Obviously, Marillion, very good keyboard music. Mark Kelly's a good keyboard player. But they also had. A great guitar player as well. Yeah, definitely. So, you know, think of their biggest hits. They aren't keyboard-led. It's Kaylee. It's, you know, incommunicado yeah. from the time. So this doesn't seem like a good fit for Fish, and I'm surprised that Tony asked him, to be honest. Yeah. I don't know whether some of the fault here lies in the production of the song. Because mm. I say, there is this constant battle between the two volumes rather than the two styles. It's the volume that gets you first. It's like they're trying to shout over each other. Yeah. And I just wonder if it might have been a little better if they'd had a good producer actually working on this. Yeah. Quite Somebody who might have picked up the keyboard and twatted Tony with it and said, stop using <laughs> synthesizers for literally <laughs> everything for two seconds. Yeah, well, that might Because, I mean, Tony's that a great musician. He's a great musician. He's a great songwriter. He really is. Yeah, he really is. But he's default is this horrible synth sound and then when he when he does a song he goes you know what this this song needs it needs some drums i know i've got some synth drums around <laughs> walk away from the synthesizers tony yeah it's like give chester thompson a quick call yeah. give Dal Sturmer a quick call get them to come in play them the bits on the keyboard that you want them to play and then yeah done yeah. and you've got a full yeah. sound instead of this horrible so 80s Sound which, which yeah. as we said, just follows him around because it's it's his, just his default setting. It is, yeah. I mean, there's a good song here trying to get out. It just isn't being allowed to develop. No, it's gnawing at the bars, but it's not getting through, is it? Yeah, exactly. Um, this actually is the only Tony Banks song to have been played by Genesis. Really? Yes, because at the Atlantic at Forty Celebration concert, they played a Turn It On Again medley. And they played a little snatch of Shortcuts Somewhere. And they played a little snatch of uh, All I Need Is a Miracle. And they played a little snatch of You uh, Can't Hurry Love as part of the medley. There you go. So Phil, Phil sang this. And it sounded better when Phil sang it. I can imagine, it. to be honest. So, it probably yeah. wasn't trying to be as dramatic as Fish was while he was singing it. No, exactly. Because I think, I think that's part of the problem with this. It's just the, the mm. butting of the two styles, the slight party style yes. that Tony's trying to produce, and this dramatic yeah. epic that Fish is trying to sing, which actually isn't this song, because this song isn't dramatic or epic in any way. It's not, it's not. The only thing about Fisher's lyrics are um, he does make a mention of Skyline Drifter, okay. which was the title of an early Marillion song that they never actually recorded. I, I do not recognise that. You can download uh, Bootleg, the demo they recorded okay. of it, but it was one of the first songs that Fish recorded with the band as a demo, um, but they never professionally recorded it. Oh, there you go. But yeah, I think it does. It, it is very obvious, this song, that the music was written and then the lyrics were written afterwards and they 
it just doesn't. So work. I think we're both in agreement here that we don't particularly like this track. That's right, mate. Let's go on to the next okay, track. Okay. DJ Smiling Jack Casey. <laughs> little instrumental track yeah i really like this i think this is i cannot believe we're in agreement on this i really liked this as well i know that's two for two i really like (laughs) this track i think it's a very nice jaunty little track i could imagine this as just an instrumental on the fugitive because i think it has that feel to it this is a good synth track and it's got a nice catchy little refrain it's you know, it's a little bit repetitive. But at 3 minutes 13 seconds, it doesn't overstay its welcome. It doesn't. Yeah. Yes, exactly. Um, and it's got a nice little key change halfway it through has, as well yeah. before it goes back. Yeah. Really nice. The, the one thing I think would benefit this is something we've already mentioned. If this had a real guitar on it rather than... Synth. Yeah. But we're going to be saying this all through this album, aren't we? We're going to be yeah exactly. Yeah. Uh, I think, but I really really like this. And funnily enough, this apparently wasn't actually used in the film. Really not. He wrote it for the film. It wasn't on the soundtrack. <laughs> he just kept it. Yeah, I, which so. is a shame because I think this is quite a nice little track. It is. It's really good. I really enjoyed it. It's memorable as well. Yeah. I mean, I can. I mean, I've not listened to it for a little bit today since we started recording. I can still remember how it goes. Like you say, it sticks around for just as long enough to be interesting and then it goes away yeah don't you wish i was like that (laughs) (laughs) yeah (laughs) (laughs) goodbye I haven't really got anything else. To, I've, yeah, I've literally got nothing else to say about that. I just really no, like I, it. Same here. I just, I've just written those notes, and I, I like it. It's a short little track, but it's fun. Yeah. And it's it's probably one yeah. of the most balanced and well-done songs on this album, I think. It is. I, I agree 100%. Yeah. So shall we go on? Let's see the... if we can be three, three for three. Let's see. So first part of the Quicksilver Suite, this is Rebirth.
Well, that's a nice little atmospheric start to that one. It starts off very grand, doesn't it, this? Um, mm. But again, yes. the very cheesy 80s synth. Well, I've um, I've put, it really exposes how dated it all sounds. Yeah. This this particular track really shows how dated it everything it is. It does. However, at the 1 minute 20, though, it sort of gets its yeah. real groove on, and you get this really nice little, um, little ditty. You get a little bit of yeah. shortcut to somewhere, which I actually prefer oh, yes. without yeah. the vocals. I think it's quite a nice yeah, track. He, he uses that again in, uh, in another track, doesn't he? I think is it the final chase. I think. Yeah, it's a refrain that keeps popping up all the way through this album. It's, it's a good. That's a good thing, isn't it? There because Tony's kind of realizing that you know the how you make a film soundtrack. You know, it's, it's leap motif. It's dropping little bits of the same bits of music into different tracks. Yeah, but it, but to it, give it a continuity. Exactly. Yeah. So you you can you can just listen to individual tracks and go, mm. I know which which film this is off because it's got a refrain in there that you know. Yeah, and this is in there, and it's to be fair, it's not a bad effort. This track, I don't think. Yeah. Um, it certainly picks up halfway through when it when it does pick up halfway through. It's certainly more interesting than the beginning. Yeah. But I, I didn't mind this. Again, I, re- I preferred the shortcut somewhere without the vocals. I think it's a nice yeah. melody, and it works better as a piece of music than it does as a song. Yeah, no, it does. I think you're right. I mean, I can't imagine what music would fit Fisher's lyrics, to be honest. Brilliant. But Well, I meant those particular lyrics. Oh, right, okay, yeah. But we'll come to it later on in Tony's career, but we, we've not seen the last of Fish on Tony Albums. You've not seen the last of You've me. You've not seen the last of me, Tony Banks. <laughs> yeah, so he's yeah he's going to be in a couple of tracks on not the next Tony Banks album, the one after that. Okay, okay. Yeah, and there were all those rumours as well, weren't there, that uh, Fish was being um, tipped to join Genesis after Phil Collins left. There were, weren't there? But, um, but nothing came of that, and I'm glad, to be honest. Yeah, I mean, we're not on Merlin Podcast, but for me, all those comparisons to Peter Gabriel didn't really hold up no. because he doesn't really sound like Peter Gabriel. <laughs> if anything, he sounds like Peter Hamill from Van de Graaff Generator. Yeah. Um, if you ever listen to any of that, that is fish. It's like, that's they, that's they used to say Meridian was, oh, it's just a Genesis knockoff. But I never saw the mm. correlation between the two musical styles. The only track that I think you could justifiably say Meridian knocked off Genesis mm. is Grendel. Um, and one part of Grendel is literally just verbatim suppers ready. Yeah, maybe, maybe. But everything else, they were much... They were much edgier and harder. They had almost a, a punk edge in their earlier yeah. tracks. They were a lot rockier. They were a lot. I never saw the Genesis comparison, really. I mean, that's what drew me to Marillion in the first yeah. place. But I never really saw it once you know, once I got into the music. Well, I, I, I never, never, I never really saw it in there. I just remember reading yeah. about it and just thinking, I, I mm. don't see that at all. Yeah. yeah. Anyway, this isn't a Marillion no. podcast. So. so shall we go on to the next track? Let's go on to the next track, yes. Shall we see if we're in agreement on this one too? Oh yeah, oh gosh, this will be a bit oh, scary, won't it? Um, so this is another part of the Quicksilver Suite and this is Gypsy.
Okay, so this is a 3 minute 40 second track, half of which is a spooky, atmospheric, you guessed it, synth track. Mm -hmm. Yes. Yeah, oh God, I hated the 80s. Oh, so <laughs> much. I mean, if it wasn't terrible here, it was overdone synth. And this is a prime <laughs> example of that sort of thing. It is. It's quite dark and atmospheric though, isn't it? But the one thing that really struck me is those keyboard stings yeah. sounds like something from 1970s Doctor <laughs> Who. <laughs> it did, didn't it? Like, I thought that. <laughs> I was like, ooh. It's specifically... There's, Don't say um, Sea Devils. No, it's not Sea Devils. There's specifically, there's a Tom Baker story called State of Decay. There is. Um, those bits sound like they're from that story. Yeah, it doesn't really go anywhere, though, does it? I mean, I think mm. it's one of those tracks that, out of context of the movie, doesn't really work. But it does change halfway through, and it starts to sound a bit like Jean-Michel Jarre, I thought. Um, well, it gets rockier, from... doesn't it? And that bit I yeah, quite liked yet again. Yeah, I mean, it sounded a bit like something from Zuluk or Revolutions, I thought, that bit. Yeah, but it um, doesn't last long enough for you to really get into it, does no, it? No, it doesn't. It doesn't. No. But if it wasn't for that, it would just be... Spooky music. Pointless. Yeah. The only good thing about this track doesn't last long enough. That's yeah. the end rocky bit. The track as a whole is kind of pointless. And you can say this about several of the tracks on this album. You wonder why they were put on here. It doesn't showcase yeah. anything. It doesn't achieve yeah. anything. And it's not even really nice to listen to. It's not something you put yeah. on the background while you're doing something. Then yeah. you could say that about this whole well, album, to be fair. You could do. We'll come to that at the end. We I will. Think. We will. Yeah. yeah. Let's go on to the last, the last Quicksilver Sweet track, which is called Final Chase. So this is another one that changes halfway through. I mean, really, this should be two different tracks. Well, you say that, right? But I kind yeah. of got the feeling from this that the, the various switches, because God help me, we get shortcuts somewhere yet again coming into this. Again. <laughs> I kind of figured the way this was put together, that it was one of those tracks, a medley that you get at the end of a, a film, you know, of the, of the titles. Mm. Yeah, That's yeah, what this mean, feels yeah. like, because there are so many mm. different styles going on in here. It's like, it's like yeah. cuts between tracks. And I yeah. just thought it was it was the thing that went over the titles at the end. If it's a standalone mm. track, it really needed working on. Well, it seems to... Uh, from the title, I would... Because I've never seen the film. But from the title, I would assume that there's a, some sort of ending where they're chasing after somebody before... But it doesn't sound like a chase, does it? No, it's... Yeah. Just, either uh, either it's badly named because this mm. is not a chase. It's not a da 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 da, -da, -da yeah. sort of chase music. You can you can feel free to copyright that if you like. Um, <laughs> All right, um, but it it doesn't feel like that. It, there's no tension yeah. in the track. There's no. no. Um, 
there's no sound of it coming to fruition that something on the screen is happening, like the heroes mm. winning out that you might expect yeah. from something called the chase. I just think this track is just so many things going on, but nothing that follows the theme that you can say yeah. in your head, if you were listening to it, that you could yeah. imagine what was going on. You couldn't imagine anything from this because it's so just, yeah. dis- you know, it's, it's dis- disjointed. It's everywhere. Again, it's just, I've, I've written, one of my notes that I've written says dated, dated, dated. It just sounds dated. Well, it is from the 1980s. Yeah, I mean, I, there, I just. There's music from the 80s that doesn't sound like this. The Empire Strikes Back soundtrack, for example. Yeah, exactly. And that's from the 80s, and that doesn't sound dated. That still sounds as fresh as a daisy. It does. I get what you're saying, but I think the main thing that dates this is the instruments being used. Instrument being used. <laughs> yes, the instrument <laughs> being used. Just with yeah. a different key being pressed. <laughs> we do the drums yeah. now. But that's that's the, the Quicksilver stuff. What's your thoughts, initial thoughts on the Quicksilver music? Is it a yay or a nay? It's a... Uh, mm. um, because there were, there were one and a bit of a track yeah. that was actually listenable. But yeah, it's... I'm sorry, this whole album screams Vanity Project. These are, these are, <laughs> these are tracks that should never be released to the public. Okay, because they yeah. either belong in the film where they're in context and you can enjoy them, or they shouldn't be out because as standalone items, most of these just don't work. They don't work as a piece yeah. of music. They don't work as easy listening. There was only Smiling Jack Casey that I actually really enjoyed listening to on this. Mm. So, yeah. yeah, as far as I'm concerned, this this was a waste of my time. It wasn't just because of the, the music wasn't interesting is because i had no frame of reference for this so i could not get into the music because the music itself didn't tell a story sorry to go back to john williams again who's who's obviously a master Mm -hmm. of what he does but you don't even need a context for the imperial march from the empire strikes back that piece of music Mm -hmm. is a standalone because it's brilliant but also if you've seen the film you know exactly what's going on. And if you haven't seen yeah. the film, it's still a great piece of music. None of yeah. these are yeah. in that category. But it's like the film The Flash uh, Gordon that came out in 1980 that Queen did the soundtrack to. Yeah. That soundtrack is full of great music that's listenable to outside of the context of film. I, I bought the soundtrack. Quite apart from the, the actual song Flash, the whole soundtrack, you can listen to that soundtrack and it tells you the story of the film and the music is just listenable as well. See, the the, the proof of the pudding in that soundtrack is that when you mm. just said the word Flash, I wanted to say, mm-hmm. ah. Exactly. Yeah. It's memorable. Exactly. So, you know, this isn't it. No. This isn't it. No, no, I agree. Anyway. Let's go, on to, let's go to what would have been the second side of the uh, vinyl album and the first of the tracks from Lorca and the Outlaws. You call this victory?
Okay, that was You Call This Victory, sung by mm-hmm. Jim Diamond. Uh, Jim Diamond. Yep. No relation to Neil. He seems to be the bastard son of Fergal Sharkey. I beg your pardon. <laughs> In this context, I may use the word bastard. Of... F- <laughs> Weirdo. Of Fergal Sharkey and Mick Hucknell. Right. Vocally. I mean, I was right, listening to yeah. this and I was going, that's mm. two people I really hate. I immediately hate this track. <laughs> Terrible lyrics. Mm. I don't think yes. I can overstate how bad the lyrics are on this track. I didn't I didn't say the lyrics were terrible, but I did say they were odd. <laughs> <laughs> okay. We'll compromise. They're oddly terrible. Yeah. yeah, okay. Yeah, I'll go along with that. Yeah, that's fine. Yeah. They're sung in a way that says that he's trying to make a point with these lyrics. Yeah. But for the life of me, I couldn't yeah. figure out what that point might be. Yeah. Again, it's out of context of the movie, I guess, but I can't, don't see where, what possible way it could fit with the movie. Having read the synopsis of the movie, I can't see how it would fit, but you know, just, just weird. It's like you call this victory. What is it? What's the one that, that stuck out? You call this justice when without her, there's no sun. Which that's you know that makes no sense at all. It's just like <laughs> justice is only in the dark. What? I didn't I didn't it's quite like, get. It's like half it's the lyrics sounded two like secretors together. Yeah, it's like half the lyrics sounded like they'd just been randomly picked. They they had yeah. no meaning. But he was singing them like he was, like he was telling you all about a love story or something. But it was just you like you call this porridge when without her there's no wardrobe door. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> It was, yeah, it's it's it is an odd track, and I nonsense. I know I know a lot of song uh, bands in the eighties produced songs like this that had, mm. you know, all the feeling, but the lyrics were terrible. So you think, you yes. know, the, the singer's doing the best he can with these words, but oh my god, yeah. But they're words that he wrote. Yeah, that, Jim that, Diamond. That, that is the, the worrying the thing. thing here. <laughs> these are actually yeah. his words, and it's terrible. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I I didn't like this track. Um, it's got a nice enough tune. It's got a nice beat. It's got a nice. You can dance to it. Well, you can't. Yeah. Um, I tried. You, you you can't. People people stop you in the street and ask if you're having some sort of stroke. It's horrible. Yeah. Don't try and dance to this in public. But yeah. Other than that, I mean, it is truly appalling. I I didn't like the singer. I apologise to him, no. but I don't like his voice. It's just mm-hmm. reminds me so much, I say, of Mick Hucknall, who. I personally detest, and Fergal Sharkey, yeah. who I always thought was a bit of a joke with his voice, but that is his real voice. I know yeah. a lot of people like Fergal Sharkey. I'm mm. not one of them. Well, that's fine. I mean, I think the other thing, the other problem with this song is it's very slow tempo. Yes. Makes it seem much, much longer than it actually is. It does. But on the point of terrible songs, and this is indeed a terrible song, I can't figure out how this fits into a sci-fi movie. No. At all. No, I can't either. I mean, even if there's no, a love scene I mean. in this movie, yeah. this just, I, no matter what's going on in the movie, I can't think mm. of any sort of action or romance scene or interplay between characters with no. this soundtrack would work. No, I'm, I mean, it doesn't even really fit to, uh, as an end credits because it's kind of saying that we've lost. Yeah. You call this victory, but we've lost. Yeah. Effectively. Basically. Like, oh, that's a bit of a downbeat ending yeah. to the movie. And if, and if they play it at the beginning, you already know then how the movie's going to end. So, uh, <laughs> exactly. So yeah. It doesn't make any sense. I'm going to have to watch I mean, this movie just to see how this fits yeah. in, to be honest. I, one thing I would say about it is I could imagine Phil singing it 
I mean, I know that I know Phil wouldn't sing it because it was not written by him. Yeah. But I could imagine Phil singing it. Phil could sing it, but they'd have to change the lyrics quite quite a lot because they are terrible. Let's go on to the next track, shall we? On that bombshell, shall we? Let's do that. The Lion of Symmetry. going to let you start because i want to know if we are still in agreement okay when it comes to this song so uh yeah you you go ahead okay. i'm gonna sit sit back and listen okay okay so toya's signature lisp cuts all the way through yes. this track and i really started listening to this and going i'm sure that's toya but it, mm-hmm. it wasn't quite clear enough until about halfway through the song and i went yep that's definitely toya <laughs> and to be fair it is as, as I was listening to it, I thought, you know, this really does sound like something Toya would have done herself at this time anyway. It's mm. very reminiscent of some of her, some of her stuff. Um, no idea what this track is about. I tried listening to no. the lyrics, and there was lots of things about lions, um, which yeah. didn't seem to stay in focus, because they, were, they mm-hmm. were talking about lions, and then they were talking about different lions, and then different lions... And I had no mm-hmm. idea what these lines represented. So I was listening yeah. to it, and he was just thinking, it's something about a lion. But I, I just couldn't get the reference. I couldn't understand how they were using lion. Were they using it in the they weren't using it in the animal context, but were they talking about it in the everybody's got a lion inside, it's a, some sort of strength that everybody holds? Couldn't grasp it. So I just sat there. I'm assuming I'm assuming you've not missed the obvious pun in the title. I have. What is the obvious pun? Lion of symmetry, line 
of symmetry. Oh, I got that. I just didn't think it was a pun because yeah. it wasn't at all vaguely funny. Yeah. No, it wasn't. No, I get. I know what you mean actually about the lyrics. They are a bit obscure. Yeah, um, and that, that pun yeah. that they put in the in the in the title, which I would, mm. I, I thought was so boring, I didn't even mention it. <laughs> that has nothing to do with this track, as far as I can tell either. No. No, it doesn't. So it's, no. it's, it's no. this is a joke we put in there. It doesn't mean anything at all to anybody ever, <laughs> including anything in this track. But there you go. No, but what do you think of the song? Though? What do you think of it? Like it? Hate it? Love it? Well, I like it. However, at mm-hmm. 7 minutes 21, it overstays <laughs> its welcome by about three minutes. But... Well, this is getting a bit scary. Really? <laughs> because... I'm going to say almost exactly the same. You can't see my notes, can you? <laughs> no, I really like this track. I think this is, you know how we said earlier that Fish was fighting against yep. Tony? Yep. Toya totally is not fighting against no, Tony. No, she doesn't. Tony, Tony and Toya here, they're like yeah. peas in a pod they for are. this. They Tony, melt Tony's got this really styles. plodding rhythm going on. And I'm using mm. that in... Not a derogatory sense, because it really is a plodding rhythm. It is. But she sings brilliantly to that, and it works yeah, really well. Yeah. And although I say this, this, vocal, is, yeah. this is overly long, and it should stop mm-hmm. at about the four-minute mark. And when you listen to it, you yeah. get to four minutes, you think, this should be stopping now. But it changes ever so <laughs> slightly there and becomes yeah. interesting yeah. again. So although yes. I say it overstays its welcome, you don't really get bored of it. Yeah. But you it, don't at all. I mean, but you just you just become aware that it's been going on for quite a while now. But you're but you're not quite bored enough to turn it off. I did put that. I think it's about a minute too long, possibly two. But I know exactly what you're saying. It does change just enough to keep it interesting. Yeah. yeah. But I I absolutely love this. You say plodding. I say brooding. I think this is a nice brooding synth you could sound, use... which kind of very very dark and gothic in the in the gothic term and toya turns in such a brilliant vocal performance on Agreed. this absolutely incredible song yeah. this is i yeah. really like this this i'm gonna say so far out of all the tony albums we've reviewed this is my favorite song and i would absolutely buy into an album of Tony and Toya if it was this good. I agree entirely. I think that would have that was a massive missed opportunity from Tony there. I know we haven't been impressed with this album so far, but mm. I will say it is worth spending a few pennies buying this album secondhand just for this mm. track. Yeah, unless you can get hold of the Locker of the Outlaws EP cheaper because that does have this song on it as well. Yeah. But yeah, that's such a good song. I really like this track brilliant yeah i like I mean, it ev- everything about it it just melds together perfectly yeah it, it's a I good mean, it's a good mixing of the two styles I, I, uh-huh. I loved it i thought it was really good good so this is this quite scary because we are agreeing quite a lot with each other let's go on to the next track so we're on to the incidental music from uh Locker and the outlaws with the red wing suite and the first part is red wing
So that's Red Wing. It's good. Definitely a scene setter. It's quite a nice little ambienty start. It does conjure. It's not a bad piece. No, is it? it's not. It does conjure images of sort of the camera panning over sort of I don't know a homestead or a, a landscape somehow. But it doesn't really do much else though, does it? It's it's one of those things that probably works really well again in the context of the film, but it's just background. Yeah, I when mean, you listen to it. The thing is, we're in the mid eighties here, and synthesizers are everywhere, and Tony's doing this with synthesizers mm. and also doing stuff with synthesizers you've got vangelis yeah shall we say the two aren't exactly on the same field here uh, whereas whereas vangelis is trying to be uh, creative use synthesizers mm-hmm. in interesting ways you know trying to make interesting new musical instruments using mm. sounds and yeah really using interesting arrangements tony's just plodding along with the synthesizer yeah and this particular soundtrack is exactly the same as the last particular soundtrack it's the same yeah. damn synth sound all the way through yeah and this bearing in mind is stuff that you wrote for 2010 so scary it wasn't even supposed to be in lorca and the outlaws it's just that so you can kind of see where they're coming from when they rejected it because yep. it's just without being mean it's generic generic stock music which is not a bad thing in itself anthony phillips has made a lot of stock music yeah um you watch wildlife documentaries and other documentaries chances are the music in those documentaries is by ant phillips that's what he does for a living i I agree Um, with you entirely that there is the time and place for these these types of things but in a multi-million pound all right, this wasn't that. But in a multi-million pound project like... A multi-thousand pound project like Lorca and the Outlaws. A multi-pound project like... Lorca and the Outlaws, yeah. But, but no, I know what you mean. A multi-million pound project like, like 2010. 2010. Yeah. This, this, this would not it's cut not it enough. as a soundtrack. It's not good enough. No, Just not good enough. It's not good enough. Uh, it's so barely it's good enough for this one, this film, to yeah. be honest. It's passable listening to it. Yeah. On this album, I as saw a as, a, as we were saying music. earlier, I saw a lot of terrible sci-fi movies in the seventies mm-hmm. and eighties. This soundtrack was perfect because it was exactly the same as every other cut-rate sci-fi movie that was out there. They couldn't afford to spend the music on a big orchestra, so they just had one guy with a, with a synth, and Tony's your man. Yeah, exactly. Not really much else you can say about this. No, <laughs> it's, it's just it's bland. Meh. It's bland in a way that something that isn't interesting can be bland because yeah you can listen to this and it doesn't conjure any images into your mind it's just yeah that was music there's yeah. nothing to, there's no hooks in there to draw you in there's no interesting rhythms to draw you in it's just bland sorry tony yeah shame really let's move on to- he can't hear anyway <laughs> let's move on to the next one he's still he's still out cold thank goodness he'd be trying to stab you with his keyboards. <laughs> <laughs> right, Red Ring Sweet Lorca is the next track.
actually quite liked this one. Yeah, it's a bit more like it, isn't it? A bit yeah, better. It's a bit rocky, a bit more rhythm going on there. Almost, almost stands alone as a piece in its own right, this, but not quite. Well, I, I'm going to say hmm? we're going to hear this piece of music again in future because Tony reuses this music on his next album and sticks lyrics on it. Really? Yes, there's a track called Queen of Darkness from the Bank Statement album. I will have to see what the lyrics are. But but I didn't I didn't think this was too bad. No. See, I didn't realize that at first uh, because I haven't listened to this album a lot until recently. And it wasn't until I started listening, I went, hang on a minute, I recognise this piece of music. Where do I recognise this from? It took me a while to place it and then I realised what it was. Um, but yeah, um, I don't mind this one. I think this is perhaps the best of the Red Wing um, suite. Mm. Um, it's nice. It's a bit upbeat. It's, I can imagine it being used in a chase sequence or something like that, yeah. I suppose. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, I, I quite like this. I quite. It's this, is one of those, this is one of the pieces on here, I think, that is a good example of a piece of music you can listen to and a piece of music mm. you can imagine in a film at the same time. Yeah, definitely. But it's the only one. <laughs> oh, well, the only one on this side, yeah. Yeah, yeah. So, but yeah, not too bad. I, I quite liked it. Yeah. But not enough to want to say anything else about it. That's why I'm saying yeah, because I've literally got nothing yeah. else to say about it. Shall we move on to the next one? All right then, kid and detective droid... Now, I've mentioned him before, Jean-Michel Jarre, about a minute and a half into this track, it sounds very much like a Jean-Michel Jarre track. Did you think? Yeah, I think so. It's got a little interesting keyboard line, but that's the only good thing about it, though. Yeah, I found this track completely uninspiring. (laughs) I thought it was a complete waste of space on here because it didn't showcase anything. It didn't inspire Mm. any emotion in you that you could say was part of a film or conjure any feelings you just yeah. listen to this. It's just drab again. It feels like a space filler on this album. Yeah. Again, 
it's just there's not much you can say about it. It doesn't no. do anything. It's a little brooding bit of music, and then it's over. It's only a couple of minutes long as well, I think, isn't it? This one just. Yeah, I can't really say anything else about it, really. (laughs) It's it's a small musical piece. It means nothing. You're going to forget it almost instantly. It's a filler. I neither liked nor disliked it. Yeah, I wasn't interested enough to have an opinion. Yeah. 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 Oh, dear. Poor Tony. He's not going to like this when he wakes up and hears it. I'm not going to tell him we've done this. That's probably a best idea. I think so. Spirit's feelings. Yeah. Mm. Well, let's get let's get on with it then before he wakes up. So the next track then is uh, Red Wing Suite, Lift Off. Lift Off! thought this was almost a piece you'd expect to hear coming out of a church. Well, that's because of the keyboard choral bit. It is. And one of the things I've noted, actually, is it probably would have been better if he'd used an actual choir rather than a keyboard setting. Yeah. Because that was the most interesting bit about it. You did a particular... It's <laughs> like you're reading my notes. I've literally <laughs> written the same thing down here. The, the keyboard yeah. uh, vocal synth bits were actually the most interesting part in this, and they yeah. were only a small part of it, but it was actually something different on this soundtrack. Yeah, exactly. So it just made it stand out a little bit more from the noodling and brooding and not very interestingness. See, now a few of the other tracks. you've also put your finger on it. This is called Lift Off. Yeah. I don't know what's lifting off, but it isn't doing it very <laughs> no. quickly, is it? No, that's the thing. Again, there's no context, so you can't say when it was used in the film. Was it used for a liftoff? Was it not? Yeah, who knows? But it doesn't seem to. No, I think it's. I think it's a... a misspelling. I think it's supposed to be called lid off, and they were actually lid just off. taking the lid off something in the film, like a can of beans Maybe. or something. Because this music is as inspiring as you would expect for that. There's nothing here about liftoff. There's no excitement. There's no speed. There's no change in, you know, change There's in no rhythm. no sense of urgency to it. Brilliant. Which you would expect. Well put. Very well put. Yeah. So I don't know what's lifting off. It's not a spaceship. No. Which is implied in the, the, the film itself because mm-hmm. it is about a spaceship, as far as I can tell. It's also also known as Starship, isn't it? It is. So. That's that's very true. Yes. I, I so. say the bits I've seen on, on, on the internet 
um, mm-hmm. it seems to be it seems to revolve around this spaceship, which is I think a wreck, and they're trying to get it off the ground. So right. I'm assuming this is what's lifting off, but that's not mm. what's coming through in the music, is it? No, it's not at all. It's not. It's unless it's like lifting off really slowly. It probably takes up about twenty minutes after at the, end of the, the film. men. They're very slowly getting away. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That sort of thing. Very but much it, so. Yeah. This piece of music was all right. I would err more on the side of liking it than disliking it, but it wouldn't be very far over that side. Yeah. It would be a lot further over if he used an actual choir because then it'd sound quite impressive. Yeah. Now it sounds like, eh, that's supposed to have a choir on it. <laughs> yeah. But it 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 did add something to this track, and this track desperately hmm. needed anything to make it inspiring it did did. and so as we say it would rather be better with a choir they probably couldn't afford Mm. an actual choir in fact one dude warbling in the background was probably all they could afford so the synth probably comes off as the best option which makes me wonder if he gave this to them for free Presumably, this is the demos he made. That's a very for good 2010, point. rather than the intended to be the final thing. So perhaps he had intended if it had gone. You know, if this had been used in 2010, maybe it would have had an actual choir on it, like on the Wicked Lady soundtrack, where we had mm. the demos on side the, the side demos one, on one side, yeah, yeah, and side through the finished um, the mm. finished article, which almost bore yeah. no relation to the synth version of, of the demos. Quite, yeah. Maybe this would have sounded a hell of a lot better with a full orchestral reworking. I don't think so, but you never know. I mean, maybe that's something we need to bear in mind, that cer- certainly for the, the Red Wing stuff, that it wasn't intended to be used in this film, and it probably isn't even finished music as far as Tony's concerned. Do you think we're doing him an injustice with this album, then? Nah, let's okay. go to the next track. <laughs> <laughs> okay, straight on to the last the, track, which is The Death of Abby. So, we're finishing this album on a lighter note here, obviously, like you should <laughs> yeah, with all so, albums. Yeah. 
Um, the thing is, right, I'm going to say two things about this. First of all, yeah. I've read the, read the synopsis of the movie, and apparently Abby is the mother of Lorca in the <gasps> film, right? And so judging from the synopsis, she dies quite early on. Okay. Because that inspires him to get down with the outlaws. Um, so it's a bit weird to put the death of his mother track as the last track on the soundtrack album. I'm going to go for a completely different tangent to you here, as I usually do. Mm, yes. Because... I didn't know that. And the notes I wrote are around what this is about. You've mm. added context now, which is more than music. Yeah. And I have to say, <laughs> this is going to be a rather poignant moment in the movie, I'm assuming. Mm. The music does not live up to that. There's there's yeah. absolutely no emotion or feeling in this track. There's no sadness yeah. being evoked. There's no meaning being evoked. There's, there's There's no substance to this. If you just listen to this, Without that title, it would not say the passing of a big character in a film, would it? No, not at all. Not at all. I mean, it's quite a downbeat tune and quite a downbeat ending to the well, album. But yeah, death, like you say... Death of a loved character yeah. downbeat. <laughs> no, that's just weird. It, it just it's... doesn't fit. the bit. I mean, obviously we're, listening, we're looking at this out of context, so we have to apologise mm. to Tony. But then again, he didn't write this sorry, music. Tony. Yeah, sorry, Tony. He's still out. But again, he didn't write this music for this film. Yeah, exactly. So, this has been this has been lobbed in mm. as uh, it sounds a bit deathy. We'll, we'll we'll use that there. So we have to be fair to him. He did not write this piece of music for this scene. That's true. I'm also wondering if he selected this music for them, or whether he just said, "There's a load of music. You use whatever you want to use for free." Yeah, and they've gone. We'll have that bit, that bit, that bit, and that bit. I'm going to use that bit for that, and that bit for that. And he's gone. All right. Well, call that bit "Death of Abbey." Call that bit "Lift Off." If indeed bit, he had that much whatever. input, as you say, if he yeah. just basically turned up with a box of music, put it on their desk, went, "Yeah, use what you want." He might not have even yeah. seen the final cut of what was being used. Yeah, exactly. He just gave him carte so, blanche to use whatever they wanted out of this yeah. box of music. Be interesting to know, wouldn't it? It would. It would. We shouldn't, we shouldn't have knocked him out. We could have asked him. Yeah. If only we known. Mm. But yeah. so we may actually be again doing a terrible injustice to the man. Yeah, that hadn't occurred to me, you know, before, but yeah. that seems a bit likely. What's going on here is he's given them a, a lot of music. They're using it willy-nilly how they like, calling it what they yeah. like. No wonder it doesn't fit any of this film. Exactly, yeah. It wasn't made for this film. That would make a lot more sense. Yeah, because if, if he's... And I apologise to Tony, but if he's written this music to fit this film, he should give up writing music. Because this, <laughs> this doesn't seem to fit this film. But yeah. if it is indeed a free gift of music for another film, it's hardly surprising it doesn't seem to fit. Yeah, exactly. Hmm, that's something to ponder, isn't it? Isn't it, though? Hmm. Well, it does remind me of Jean-Michel Jarre again. There's a track off his album Re Revolutions. Yes. Quite tall. A track of his album Revolutions, which is called The Emigrant, which sounds very similar to this, although that is better. Obviously. Obviously. Yeah. Um, but yeah, Which is just, weird because bit... Jean Michel Jarre uses a lot of synthesizers, but it mm. still doesn't sound as synthy as this track. <laughs> it doesn't, does it? No, how does that manage that? Like, yeah. literally, you do exactly what Tony literally does. Only but... use synthesizers, but I haven't made yeah. it as synthy as yours. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh, dear. Mm. Anyway, that was the last track. It was. So, we had a poll <laughs> on our <laughs> on our Patreon page. So do you want to know the results of the poll? Love to. 
Okay, well, basically the poll was, which is your favourite song from the album? Um, and the choices, of course, were Shortcut Somewhere, You Call This Victory, and Line of S- Lion of Symmetry. So which one do you think won? Got to be Line of Symmetry, surely. No. By an overwhelming landslide of 83% of the votes, it was Shortcut Somewhere. Wow. Yes. In second place, with 17% of the vote, was Line of Symmetry. So you can work out which was in last place and how much of a percentage they got. We need to get some new listeners. <laughs> so majority of people shocked somewhere. And now I'm going to go out on a limb there and say that they did that because of Fish, not because of the song. Yes, I, I, I think that's probably the case. Most people... I mean, how available is this soundtrack? So, Oh, it's easy to get hold of at the moment, now. <laughs> is that yeah. easy to get hold of because it's readily available or because it's in every corner shop bargain bin? It was It was re-released uh, in about 2018. They re-released all Tony's albums. So they are available quite easily. Jump on Amazon and grab them. Okay. So not, not difficult anymore. They weren't very easy to get hold of before that, but nowadays you quite happily pick them up. And yeah, also bargain bins. But yeah. I've had this album on on vinyl for many years. Where did you One buy of the it? First, uh, I don't know where I bought it in Derby somewhere, probably. Bargain bin. I buy most of my vinyl. Mm. Yeah, yeah, probably. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I didn't buy it brand new. But bargain bin. Can't remember. But anyway, but yeah. So I had it on vinyl. So I had it for a long time. But yeah, that's the result of the poll. Shall we go into our final thoughts? Shall we? Let's go at it. All right. So I think for this album, we need to take it as two parts. I think we need to take the songs and we need to take the soundtrack. I agree. So the three songs on here, definitely in keeping with Tony's previous albums, uh, quite raw boned, almost like demos. But the trouble is he makes the same mistake he always makes. He doesn't collaborate with anybody. Yeah, especially musically. (laughs) Exactly. You could say he collaborates with the, the singers because they write the lyrics. But he's already written the music. So it's basically, there's some music, stick some words to it. He's not really involving them in the process, which Phil is involved in the process when they're recording with Genesis, because Phil will say, I want to change this. I want to do this. I want to do melody a bit like this. So he, Phil changes the music because that's what happens in a band situation. Tony isn't doing that. And that means, as we've said, the words, the lyrics are fighting with the music. In Shortcuts Somewhere, especially, that's the case. The two things are at war. And Fisher's performance is okay, but is nowhere near the standard of his Meridian stuff at no. the time. He is trying to perform at that level in this mm. song. Yeah. But the, but the battle between what he's doing and what Tony is doing just ruins it. Yeah, and Tony needs either, I think. Tony needs someone who is completely malleable. Yes. So Jim Diamond is a good example here. I get the impression from his performance that he's done exactly as Tony wanted without trying to override anything. Yeah. Whereas I think Fish, like you say, has tried to do a performance. Jim Diamond's just gone, yeah, 
That's the lyrics. I'll sing that Tony, no problem. And he's done it exactly the way Tony wants it. Toya, on the other hand, I think Toya's gone, I don't care what you want, I'm going to do it this way. Mm. And Tony's had to adapt, I think, to that. It does indeed feel like more of a collaboration, that track, doesn't it? Yes, it does, yeah. That's the more interesting. And like I said when we were talking about the track, I would have loved a whole album of Tony and Toya if it was as good as that, because that track is just brilliant. Shame on all you people for voting for Fish rather than Toya. Yeah, I I agree, (laughs) because the Toya track just stands out on this album as the one bright spot on this entire album. Yes, it does. It easily stands head and shoulders over everything else, Yeah, I think. And then you have to look at the soundtrack music. And the trouble is, same as with The Wicked Lady, it's mostly meaningless outside of the context of the film, Yeah, which is more of a problem because both of the movies are extremely obscure movies that you are very unlikely to have seen. Like you say, you've watched a lot of bad sci-fi movies. Awful lot. And you, as far as you can remember, have never watched Lord of the Outlaws. Yeah. I've never watched it. The sum of the really terrible movies that I've seen is is quite tragic. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Mm. I mean, you used to write a whole magazine about it, didn't you? So, you know. Did indeed, <laughs> yes. But but this one, this one I have to say slipped me by. Having seen it on YouTube, I say you can watch the whole film on YouTube. Mm. I am going to have to watch it because it looks not as cheap as you'd think it is. Mm. It looks like it might might have some positive points. I may have to mm. watch it just to have a look because it doesn't look appalling. The trouble is as well, because these obscure movies, when you listen to the music, you can't picture no. what's going on no. like you can with Star Wars, like you can with Superman, like you can with Alien. Mm-hmm. When you hear the music, you picture what's going on and you can't do that because... You, nobody's ever seen these films. But then, as we as we said in the reviews, I mean, this music wasn't written for these films. Well, no, that's not true. The Lorca stuff wasn't written for Lorca, but the, the um, Quicksilver stuff was written for that movie. Okay. But as we've never seen the movie, we can't actually say whether it fits. It doesn't matter. But, yeah. Well, exactly. But so. the music doesn't really tell a story. I mean, well, that's the most mm. important part of a soundtrack. It has to be yeah. an accompaniment to the film. You have to be able to have moments you recognize and when you hear that soundtrack again it'll refresh Mm -hmm. your memory i find it hard to believe that any of this music refreshes anybody's memory about this film i can't imagine anybody thinking oh i remember that classic scene in yeah (laughs) in this and this really takes me back i mean let's be honest this is bottom tier yeah stuff when it comes to film music this is not good yeah perhaps the director of 2010 was right (laughs) When he rejected all this music well, that Tony I, gave Personally, him. I say it's one of my favourite films, and I think it, it's hard to imagine another soundtrack. It always is when you watch a movie, isn't it? And somebody mm. says, oh, I think he was thinking of doing the soundtrack for this. And you always think, I wonder how different that movie would have been. Yeah. For example, going back to Star Wars, originally they didn't want to use an orchestrated uh, soundtrack. 20th Century Fox wanted to go full synth. Mm. They didn't want to use John Williams, um, and George had to fight for that. And you just wonder whether Star Wars would have been a hit with a silly synth soundtrack. So, so you know... Yeah, exactly. Just And it wouldn't. No. So <laughs> it's hard to tell what a film would have sounded like with a different soundtrack, because mm. you're, used to, you're used to what you've heard. Yeah. Stoney's version of the soundtrack, once it was given a full orchestral workover, might have been brilliant. We will never well, exactly. know. We'll, we'll never know. No. We'll never know. I mean, at the end of the day, at this point in his career, Tony still hasn't realised 
that his music works better when he's in full collaboration with others. Yeah. You know, he's without a doubt, he's an excellent songwriter, you know, just his Genesis songs that he's written. Yeah. You can, you know, one for the vine or, you know, Firth of fifth. Yeah. Classics, all classic stuff, but you know, it's, and it's his insistence on leaning completely into keyboards. That... Yeah. That's the downfall. I know it's the cheap way of producing yeah. music, especially when yeah. you're, when you're dealing with, as we said, some of this stuff was probably demo stuff rather than final mm. product. And it's, yeah. it's, it's the easiest, cheapest way of producing music if you're a musician. Mm-hmm. Just have a keyboard with half a dozen voices on it. You can produce what sounds like a fully rounded track. But from now, looking back, it was great then yes. maybe, but now it sounds yeah. truly terrible. It probably sounded terrible then, but it was in the mainstream. It was what everything sounded like in the 80s. Yeah, but I mean, this is why Tony is never going to achieve the solo success no. that Phil or Mike or Pete or even Steve has had. Yeah. You know, there's he's just not gonna there's a little bit of a glimmer of hope on the horizon for him because his next album there's a little bit of collaboration. Not quite as much. It's gonna be a few albums later though where he's gonna actually properly collaborate with somebody. Okay. Um and we'll we'll get to that album in due course. Okay. Um but yeah but what did you think of uh this then? What are your thoughts? Anything different? To be fair, you've covered pretty much all of it. I thought mm. As I said earlier, this was very much a vanity project. Most of the tracks on here probably should never, ever have seen the light of day. They're not (laughs) interesting enough as they stand alone. Uh A couple of the singles we said we quite liked, and a a couple of the soundtrack pieces we quite liked. Uh But at best, there was enough here for an EP, not an LP. Yeah. I mean, you could have easily done a a mini album, maybe, six tracks with, you know, Shortcut Somewhere, Smiling Jack Casey... You call this victory, line of symmetry, and um, Lorca, maybe. Uh, which was it, Lorca, yeah, Lorca. So like five tracks, but the rest of them, that's all. The neat. rest of them were just filler. Yeah, they they didn't need to be on didn't here. They filler. weren't interesting enough as they stood. Yeah, there was just no reason to listen to any of them because they weren't what you'd call a classic soundtrack track. Mm. There was nothing there, you know. You know, like with say the Indiana Jones theme, or yes, yeah, there was or the Superman theme, or anything like that. There yeah. was nothing here that you go, ah, oh, that's a brilliant piece of music. That that grabs you. That's a great theme. Yeah. They weren't here. They were just yeah. filler sounds. And all they did was pad out what what was, I think, a vanity album. Because there's no reason yeah. to put these on here, other than the fact he wanted some of his music out there, and nobody was going to put it out there otherwise. I mean, I guess he wanted to make money from the music he'd written for things... Well, as it did give it away for free. Yeah, maybe. Well, exactly, yeah. So this isn't how to... Some sort of return on it. But this isn't (laughs) how to do it, because you're left with an album that you basically regret buying, because there's not (laughs) enough on here for for an album. You're not going to listen to this for your pleasure. (laughs) You might take a couple of the tracks off for yourself, but they are only going to be a couple. The rest of it is something you will never, ever listen to again, because it's Mm. just not interesting enough. And there's nothing here that you think, oh, that's... That's an interesting track. It's classic Tony Banks. There's nothing here. Well, I mean, it, it all is classic Tony Banks, though, isn't it? Well, really, because yeah, it's all technically, technically very yes, it is. But <laughs> very samey. But there's nothing. Oh, we're gonna get we're gonna get angry Tony Banks fans writing to us. Are there Tony Banks fans? Only oh, kidding. God. Only kidding. Calm down, everyone. Good God, it was a joke. I know we don't do those <laughs> very often, but you know, 
stay with <laughs> us. No, seriously, though, there's, there's just nothing on here that is appealing enough to release as an album. No. Apart from the Toya track. Even even Smiling Casey, Casey, Casey Jones, or whatever it's called. Um, as fun <laughs> as that track is, I didn't mm. need that in my life. Yeah, exactly. The only interesting track on here is the Toya one, which is, I think, is a good track. And I would have liked to have heard more of that music, as you said. But everything else was just filler for me. But if you're a Fish fan, check out Shortcuts Somewhere, just as a curio. Yeah, because that's all it is. Everything else, the Toya track is worth listening to. I would say Smiling Jack Casey is probably worth listening to because I think that's just a, a good piece of music as well. But that's it, really. Everything else is just meh. Yeah. Yeah, I have to agree entirely Sadly. with you. Yeah. We're actually in agreement mostly on this album. We are. We're mellowing out, obviously. It's not good. Yeah. And uh, we should be. <laughs> maybe more... the next album. Maybe the next album will be more discriminant. Maybe the next album we return to fighting. Fighting. Yeah, fight. It's a fighting album. It's a fighting album. Next album we will be doing will be Defector by Steve Hackett. Ooh. It's another Steve Hackett album because there's about a billion of them. Um, not doing all of them, are we? Eventually. Oh, and. <laughs> and St- Steve Hackett's actually uh, working on a new solo album at the moment, Is which really? I believe will be his uh, 26th solo album, I believe, when it finally comes out. That's quite an opus, isn't it? It is. It is. So so anyway, thanks for listening, listeners. Just Tony's just starting to wake up. So just time for me to remind you that if you've enjoyed this podcast, first of all, what's wrong with you? Get, get a life. Uh, sorry, if you've enjoyed this podcast... You can subscribe on Patreon for £1 a month and you will get bonus episodes. Uh, some of the bonus episodes that have come out recently have been book reviews of Mike's autobiography and Phil's autobiography. And we've also got a couple of other bonus episodes about Mike and the Mechanics, which you might want to check out, which I was quite pleased with. Plus, of course, our, all our back catalogue. All of our back catalogue's not on Patreon, though. Uh, but you get all the episodes a week early and you get the bonus episodes. And I promise at least six bonus episodes a year. So we'll see what bonus episodes we come up with in the next couple of months. You can email us revelationstationpodcast at gmail.com with all your thoughts and all your hate mail about hating Tony Banks to Gary, please. I didn't say any of that. Please direct death threats towards him. More uh, death you can threats. Find I get so many, it's not even worth <laughs> listening to them anymore. You can also find us on Facebook, Revelation Station Podcast. Um, if you don't want to make the commitment of paying a pound a month to Patreon, you can still donate uh, the price of a coffee at buymeacoffee.com as well. Just go on there and search for us, Revelation Station. That's it. Tony's starting to wake up. I can hear him shuffling. And Gary, just just open the uh, open the door and have a look, see if the guards are okay, gone. Yep, yep. Oh, oh, hello, fellows. What's been happening? Nothing, Tony. Nothing. Absolutely nothing's happening. You've only been... Uh, you, you fell asleep for a, a couple of seconds. Uh, it's about time. We need to get moving. OK, the coast is clear. What now?
Okay, there we go. That should be enough time for the guards to change. Right. Are we all ready? Yes. yes. Okay. Now, Tony, I'm sorry, but I have to put this custard pie in your face. What? Don't worry, Tony. I think I know what he has in mind. Excellent. And here. Gah! This isn't even real custard. Right. Ready, Simon? Would it make a difference if I said no? No. And here we go. <laughs> wazza, wazza, wazza. Hey, hey! Hmm. This guard may be tricky. Time to pull the last surprise out of my bag. Um... I cannot believe we've gotten this far dressed as clowns. The farce can have a strong influence on the weak-minded. Why are you constantly influenced? Who says I'm not? I said influenced, not drunk. Same thing. Both reduce your capacity to think clearly. Can I take this pie off my face yet? Nearly. Quick, into this room. What are we doing in here? Time for our last costume change. I think we've gone as far as we can as clowns. Oh, I don't know. You've managed a whole lifetime. Come on. Off with the clown outfit. Uh, why are you dressed as paramedics? The final part of the plan. Clean the custard off your face and put this on. A fake arrow through the head, bro? Yup. And apply this bandage. Run this past me again, oh great one. Clowns would look stupid leaving prison. Because... Because all clowns should be in prison? No, we have to have a different ruse. And what could be more ordinary than paramedics taking a badly injured prisoner to the hospital? Why the arrow? A simple shanking or fistfight injury is expected in prison. It would draw questions from the guards about how it happened and who did it. But... But an arrow through the head is so odd, no one would want to get involved in case the person responsible turns out to be them. S.E.P. The gods will run a mile to not get involved with this. You know, I never in a million years thought I'd say this. But I think you are genuinely on the cusp of something brilliant. Either that, or extremely stupid. Why, thank you. Uh, I think... You don't need the horn anymore, Tony. You can put it down. Hold on, hold on, we've been spotted. A guard's coming over. What do we do? Look natural. Hey, you there. Where are you? Oh, oh, oh. Um, can you help me? What's good for a hangover? Uh, drinking heavily the night before? Now, out of the way. We have an injured man here. That was lucky. In my experience, there's no such thing as luck. Here's the main gate. But what about the gate guards? Not a problem. See? Why are they writhing about on the floor, clutching at their heads? Ice cream headache. All part of the plan. Look, there's Juan's jeep. Run for it. You too, Tony. Oh, are you not pushing me anymore? No. We're clear. Let's go. Well, I must say, I'm going to be speaking to your supervisor. This is no way for a paramedic to be treating his patient. Tony, we aren't really paramedics. You saw us get changed out of the clown costumes. Oh, oh yes, of course. But how can I run with this injury? It's not real. Now come on, cheese it! Everyone, inside!
Right, step on it, Juan. To the ancient tomb, so Tony can play the note, we can open the crypt, take the gin out of the crown, and make our wishes. Then we can get out of here. Not so fast. Then we can get out of here. Still not funny. You gentlemen are going nowhere without me. Now drive. And no funny stuff. Hasn't been any so far. Simon, what are we going to do? There's nothing we can do. We're finished. If only... You have been listening to the Revelation Station podcast from the Revelation Station. Produced, performed, directed and written by Simon Heldrick and Gary Starr, two men who should know better. You can email us at revelationstationpodcast at gmail.com, find us on Facebook at the Revelation Station podcast, or head to our website revelationstationpodcast.com. If you've enjoyed this show, you can donate by searching for The Revelation Station at buymeacoffee.com or head to Patreon, where you'll find us at patreon.com slash revelationstationpodcast. There you can subscribe for £1 a month and receive podcasts a week early, as well as additional content and bonus episodes throughout the year. This has been a Revelation Station production. Um, you also got Marilyn Martin, who you may remember was the co-singer on Separate Lives, that Phil's single. Yes. Yeah, no, no actually, I it. really don't. But there you go. <laughs> I'm just saying yes, um, so I look like I'm intelligent and paying attention to anything you say, but I'm not yes. actually paying attention, as but, you know. Yeah, I never yeah, I never listen to I you. Know. Yeah. I know. Yeah. Um, remember, the farce will be with you always. <laughs>